I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together, you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. Hey, say a prayer for me right now, right where you are. Stop what you're doing. Say a quick prayer. Our show today is pre-recorded. Uh, you're listening to a discussion that happened back on Thursday. And the reason for that is that right now, as you hear this, my wife is in Tulsa at the uh, the baptism of our new godson, Dominic. And we're just absolutely ecstatic uh, that that we have this new godson, that he uh, that he's healthy, he's beautiful, all is well. Ma- mom and baby are great. Um, but uh, I was not able to go because, you know, we have a, a lot of us, uh, seven, seven children, is a little bit too much to, uh, to find babysitters for for overnight and a little bit too much uh, to, uh, to take with us on the plane. So Kristen's down there with, with one of the littles. And I have the rest and I have the rest all by myself uh, yesterday and today and tomorrow. And then Kristen will get back late in the evening and we will all collapse in utter joy that she has rescued us. Right. (laughs) So say a quick prayer for us and for her. If you're in the Tulsa area and you know where to find her, uh, well, say hello. Whenever this happens, we call it the daddy apocalypse, right? Uh, because <laughs> not because anything bad is going to happen or because I can't handle it, but the children, I'm not sure the children can handle it because they get in the the rhythm of the way that mom does things and dad goes off to work and, you know, I come back in the evenings and they have their way of relating to me and, and interacting with me. Uh, and, and then mom is around them all day long and she has her way of interacting with them and, and they're comfortable with that, right? All of a sudden, mom's got the chore charts and I, I, we still do them, but I might throw a couple of extra things on. They're like, but that's not on the chore chart. I'm like, hey, it's the daddy apocalypse. You know, this is, this is what happens when mom goes away. And uh, we'll do things like that. And then we'll throw in a, a surprise um, extra scoop of ice cream. So they, you know, I throw them off their guard. They just don't know what to expect from me. They've got a groove with mom. They know what to expect. And, and I just throw that completely out the window. So we have these, these times and they're rare, um, where Christian goes away and, and we have the daddy apocalypse this time. It just happens to be over father's day. So, uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, but as you say a prayer, don't necessarily be praying for me, although I'll take them, but pray for the kids, right? It's, it's, it's hard to transition and to have change and to do things differently. You know, you, you get used to mom and then mom's way of doing things and mom's nurturing spirit and her kindness and calmness. And then you've got, you know, the daddy apocalypse. So... So we have a great show today. We're talking with uh, Ricard Newman. He is the family life director down in Lake Charles, Louisiana. And it's a topic that I was really planning on holding off uh, on until next month, because next month is the 50th anniversary of Humana Vitae, the encyclical by Pope Paul VI, blessed Pope Paul VI, uh, that everyone hates, but very few people have taken the time to actually read. 
Now, anytime we talk about Humana Vitae or, or similar encyclicals, I like to remind you that it does address some sensitive topics. And so if, uh, if your children normally listen to the show with you and this is not the kind of conversation uh, you want to have with them right now, uh, then go ahead and send them out of the room or maybe you want to uh, change the channel for a little while and then come and listen to the archives later when they're asleep or when they're out playing. You don't have to miss any of the episode. Just go over to OutsideTheWalls.com. Right there you'll find all of the episode archives, including today's show, uh, for you to listen to on demand. Uh, but today is going to be some some sensitive conversation. So go ahead and just keep that in your mind as you listen. Now, I had every intention of addressing this topic next month, because next month, at the end of July, is the actual anniversary of Humana Vitae. I wasn't going to touch it until then, uh, because there's going to be a big push. Everyone's going to be talking about it around that time. Uh, Kristen and I will be going out to California, where we'll be at the uh, the conference, the big old, the big conference just outside of L.A., where there are speakers from all over coming to talk about this anniversary, the Humana Vitae Conference. And, uh, and so I, I thought, well, well, we'll talk about it as we get closer to that. But Ricard and his wife, Alana, just put out a new documentary that details their journey to coming to understand the fullness of Catholic teaching regarding human sexuality, uh, specifically starting with Humana Vitae. And it looks to be a fascinating documentary. They've got speakers that you would know, you know, Dr. Janet Smith, uh, Dr. Robert George, uh, Peter Kreeft, uh, the, just the, the list goes on and on of the people who are involved in this documentary, helping to explain the church's teaching and to look at the scientific foundations and research done very early on in the, in the 50s uh, for natural family planning, for NFP. And so I was just really taken by this. I, I had known Ricard uh, in passing as just kind of as colleagues, uh, but I had no clue that he was involved in anything like this. And I've been very impressed with what I've seen so far. Uh, I'm planning on doing a, a, a screening of this at my parish. And I thought that, you know, this it takes a, some time to plan an event like that at a parish. And if you wanted to do something at your parish, I wanted you to have this exposure the month out to be able to listen and to see uh, if this is something you might want to do. And so we had a great conversation with him back on this past Thursday in preparation for, you know, Daddy Apocalypse, uh, that we are going to take the time just after this break to listen to, uh, to explore a little bit about why they did the movie, uh, what and what you can expect in the movie for yourself and how to get a screening near you. The movie is called Sexual Revolution, 50 Years Since Humana Vitae. You can find it at sexualrevolutionmovie.com. And there's going to be a long conversation about it just after this break. Go over to social media. We've got a link to that and some other things as well. Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. Come take a look at the links. Leave your comments. But don't go anywhere, because we'll be right back, right after this.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Today, we're going to be talking about the 50th anniversary of Humana Vitae and all that that entails. So if you normally listen with children around and you don't want to have that discussion yet, now would be the time to kind of shuffle them out of the room uh, as we're talking with Ricard Newman uh, and talking about a, a new movie that they've put out, he and his wife, uh, around this 50th anniversary uh, called Sexual Revolution, 50 Years Since Humana Vitae. And it's a musical documentary on the outcome of the free love experiment of the last century set against the backdrop of a blessed Paul the Sixth groundbreaking encyclical about love, sex, and marriage. Ricard, thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Tim. It's, it's an honor to be on your show. I've listened to it many times, so it's surreal that I'm on it now. Yeah, thank you. And of course, you, uh, you're a Swedish expatriate. Uh, who's now living here in the United States. You live in uh, the, the Diocese of Lake Charles, where you serve as the Director of Family Life and uh, Protection of Young People, yes? That's correct, yes. So l- let's just get down to the, the, the very first question. When I sit down and think about what I'm going to do with my free time or what, what kind of projects I'm really passionate about, making a movie or documentary just really never enters my mind. So how did, we get, how did you get to this place where this became uh, something that had to be done, a project that you just really needed to focus time on and and push other things to the side. Right. Well, I don't think I have ever sat down and and thought that either, that, Mm -hmm. okay, let's make a movie about natural family planning and humana vitae. But they say sometimes, you know, that uh, sometimes you pick a project and sometimes the project picks you. Mm -hmm. I think that was the case uh, for, for me and for us because we came to understand the church uh, teachings on human sexuality and that brought about a conversion in my life and my wife's life and as we understood the topics more through uh, phenomenal catholics that uh, are also included in in the movie mm-hmm. and also encountering the story about john and evelyn billings the, the founders of modern natural family planning um we felt that it was such a gift that was given to us that we had to share it. And how do you share uh, a story in a beautiful way um, that can be helpful and illuminating? And these days, as much as a book can have an impact, I think movies are probably the way that people very often uh, like to, um, to, to watch those kind of stories. And I was uh, fortunate and lucky enough to meet with a producer and director that also found this story very interesting. And, you know, one thing led to another, and here we are. Now we have a movie. Right. And so this movie is going to be played around the the country. Um, Different places are putting on showings of this. Uh, If someone wanted to attend a showing or maybe even to host a showing, how would they go about uh, interacting and, and getting a hold of it and making that available to their community? Yes, so it's a very simple process, really. Um, what you do, you can go to the website, uh, sexualrevolutionmovie.com, and you can uh, go to the tab on the top to the left that says Inquiry, and you just tell us uh, where you would put, where you want to put it on and kind of your audience and some basic uh, contact info. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we will help you through the whole process. 
So it's, it's a very small nominal fee to bring it to your local community. And uh, if you are 10 people or if you're 100, if you're a parish, if you're a school, diocese, organization, private individual, it all works. And we can give you the posters and um, guide you to how to kind of invite the community or your parish to this event. And if you also would like, we will be happy to come out and give a presentation, a director's present, a presentation in conjunction with, with the screening. Great. So now you mentioned that the, the teachings of Humana Vitae really were uh, important in your conversion. Uh, and I have a similar story. I grew up in the Protestant church and it was through, uh, you know, we, we practiced NFP in our marriage as best as we could as Protestants uh, because we were introduced to it before we got married. And yet um, it was the, the time that we needed a little bit of extra income in our family. And uh, my wife went to learn to be a teacher. Uh, and she came back from that, uh, that seminar where she uh, was learned to teach. Uh, and she brought back uh, Theology of the Body in a book by Christopher West called Good News About Sex and Marriage. And, and uh, with my theological background, I kind of poured over those and dug into them. And I realized at that point, oh, my goodness, this is truth. And the Catholic Church is the only one that's proclaiming it. You know, whether it be you know, the, the other people come into the church because of uh, the real presence or, or uh, other theological doctrines. And I could find glimpses of that in other traditions that I was a part of, but nowhere else could I find the teaching on human sexuality that I found in the Catholic Church. What, what was it about Humana Vitae or about the, uh, the teachings of the church that first grabbed your interest and in, in the interest of your wife? Good question, Tim. So I, I come from Sweden. So we've been on the forefront of the sexual revolution since its, its beginning, really. And um, the people in my life, my family members, they all were part of it. It was the best script that was around. Uh, we don't live in a, we live in a very secular, atheistic culture there in Northern Europe. So when I came of age, um, I started engaging in that behavior, too. And then when I met my wife, uh, when I had almost turned 30, uh, she told me that she would stoner conceived. And I had no idea what that meant. So I had to ask some questions. Right. And I found out uh, that these, this was part of, of kind of a brave new world. People were brought into the world with, through artificial reproductive technologies, third party reproduction, so on and so forth. And we, um, we started to explore, you know, what, did, what does this mean in terms of being a human being, where we come from, where we're going, um, what rights do people who are conceived this way have, and so on and so forth. And when you're opening up your heart to those very existential questions, it will take you on a journey. Mm -hmm. And we quickly realized, just like you said there, that uh, the Catholic Church is really the only entity that teaches comprehensively on this. Um, and in the beginning, we were very impressed by that. Mm -hmm. And we didn't really realize why it was the Catholics got it so much when it came to uh, third-party reproduction. And of course, speaking of Humana Vitae, this was something that Pope Paul VI had predicted right. uh, in you know 50 years ago. 
that we would uh, think that we had complete dominion over our bodies and we could treat them like machines. Mm-hmm. So obviously this, this um, made us very curious about Catholics and the Catholic Church. And one thing leading to another, you start reading Theology of the Body, Love and Responsibility, and you're very humbled because uh, you, you, you start seeing the truth with capital T. And I remember, um, you know, us just being drawn closer and closer. We went to mass and uh, we thought that, you know, Catholics, they really get it. So we're going to take all their knowledge and wisdom and uh, lifestyle and, you know, the, the ideal of marriage. And it's just that Christ thing that we don't need because we're not Christ people. Right. Uh, but, you know, it's that's all God needed at that moment. Mm-hmm. So it didn't take very long before we realized where it all uh, comes come from and who it comes from. And uh, it's about four years ago now since we were received into the church together. Now, let, let's talk a little bit about this because you it was these books and these writings uh, and encyclicals that, that drew you into the Catholic Church. But where did where did you even first encounter those documents as you were uh, trying to find your your wife's uh, father and trying to figure out what all of the the implications of the way she was conceived, what that meant for her as a person? Um, but neither of you come from this religious background, so how did you ever even encounter Humana Vitae or uh, Evangelium Vitae or any of these other documents of the church? Right. I guess we were lucky, or perhaps it was providential. Um, but when my wife was 18, I believe, she realized that her, uh, her the anonymous sperm donor that was or is her biological father, his heritage is Polish. Mm. And she didn't, at that point, know anything about Poland whatsoever. So she basically, you know, started Googling <laughs> some, some stuff about Poland. And uh, she felt that she needed to go to Poland as well. So that's what she did on a credit card. And like, I just have to meet my people. Mm-hmm. And who is the most famous Polish people, person in the world, really, you know, right. uh, John Paul II. So he found his way into her heart. So when we started exploring Catholicism a little bit later, it was very natural for us to, to uh, start reading some of, of his uh, writings. And also, we started to, we lived in New York uh, at the time, so we, we met with um, uh, Robbie George, Maggie Gallagher, Jennifer Roback Moores, uh, people who are also included in the, in the documentary. Uh, so we were very blessed to be brought into the full understanding through the people who really got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember actually starting to work very quickly in the in the Catholic Church after we had been received in. And I thought that, of course, everybody knows this. I mean, this is the reason why we, we, we came to this place. Right. And then when I realized, okay, perhaps not everybody's on board this or have full knowledge of it, and that's also part of, of kind of our mission now to try, try to spread that. You know, there, there are so many people who maybe they grew up in the faith or they grew up around the faith, and they have some cognition that the church says a specific thing. Right, my uh, I had a colleague of mine at the Diocese of Tulsa who had the the big poster of Pope Paul the Sixth uh, pointing, kind of like Uncle Sam, and says um, <clears throat> like the pill is a no no, uh, and so there's this even in you know broader culture this understanding that the church says no to contraception, but 
there's really not a full understanding or a cognition of what the church is saying yes to through that prescription, what the church is affirming, uh, because every no is really just a yes to a greater possibility, right? It's not that we're saying, oh, this is evil, don't do it. We're saying God has something so much better in store for you and planned for you that this thing uh, deprives you of. And so we say no to that because we're saying yes to the greater thing that God's given. And so that is just such a challenge for us, even as we talk about it ourselves, is to make sure that the way that we're presenting the, the beauty of the church teaching is in the great yes and not so much focused on the no. That's right. And, um, and I think that's, that's really also the reason we're making a movie out of this. And I think everybody should watch it because it is, um, it is an answer. You know, all the no's that you're describing, they're in support of a greater yes. And this movie really gives you the insight to what those yeses are. Um, and natural family planning obviously is, is very much part of that, the implementation, the practical extension of all these ideas that, that's, that uh, John Paul II so eloquently uh, gave us. So, um, yes, I, I, I think this, it's a challenge that we have to spread that story. I'm very happy if, if we now can uh, provide that uh, to some extent through this movie. We're talking today with Ricard Newman. He is the writer and cinematographer of Sexual Revolution, 50 Years Since Humana Vitae. Go to their website, Sexual Revolution Movie, and book a screening in your area. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Just by way of reminder, today we are talking about the 50th anniversary of Humana Vitae, that encyclical by Pope, blessed Pope, and soon to be Saint Pope Paul VI. Uh, it's a fantastic document. I, I, I always call it the, the, the little encyclical that everyone hates, but no one has read. Uh, it, it's a fantastic document as it unpacks for us uh, a, a picture of, of, of marital sexuality. Uh, this is a, a conversation that's going to cover all of the implications therein. So if you normally listen with your kids, just a reminder, go ahead and scoot them out of the room. As we're talking with Ricard Newman, who is a convert, uh, he's also a, a Swedish expatriate, living currently in the Diocese of Lake Charles, Louisiana, Louisiana, where he serves as the Director of Family Life. He's the writer and cinematographer on Sexual Revolution, 50 Years Since Humana Vitae, a new documentary. Uh, you can find out more about that over at sexualrevolutionmovie.com. Ricard, thank you for being with us today. Oh, thank you. It's an honor to be on your show. So we're talking about this, this documentary, and you read through the description and it's just filled with names that everyone has heard of a few that we don't a few that are a little bit less, uh, less well-known, but you have Archbishop Chaput, you have, uh, Dr. Peter Kreeft and Abby Johnson, who we've had both of them on the show previously. Mary Eberstadt has a, a wonderful book, uh, called, uh, Adam and Eve since the pill. Is that right? 
so I'll look that up and, and post a link to it. It's a great book. Uh, Dr. Helen Alvare, Robert George, Christopher West, uh, Dr. Mark Regneris, who's down at the University of Austin, University of Texas in Austin, uh, Dr. Janet Smith. The, the, the list just goes on and on. How did you, uh, how did you go about deciding who you wanted to talk to and, and getting them on board with uh, getting in the right place at the right time with the right cameras and everything else? It seems like a, a big logistical uh, puzzle there. Right. And I would probably have been pretty scared of it if you would have presented it like that to me when I started out. <laughs> but as, as many things, you know, it's an organic process. Uh, and I think a, a number of the people that you that we were fortunate enough to, to interview uh, through this project, actually, my wife uh, knew them through different uh, events and conferences, and they were familiar with her story. So I think that's also why they were gracious enough to, to agree to participate. And um, yeah, they've just been very influential in, in our lives. And I think something that we tend to forget sometimes is to thank the people who have been very instrumental in our lives. And when you do send an email to people, just letting them know how important they have been, uh, perhaps through a book that they wrote 10 years ago, and you just uh, tell them how, how important it, their work ha has been, you would be surprised how how happy they will be to hear that because they they rarely hear those things either. So I guess perhaps a little flattering got us in the door too. <laughs> but it was it was genuine flattery. It was it was it was gratitude. Truly. Gratitude got you in the door. Flattery yeah. seems a little bit more I don't know maybe <laughs> manipulative. Uh, but that's a a very good point because something that we I think face all too often is. Uh, just the disconnection that our society provides us, right? We, we almost think that it's inevitable, and so we don't even try to connect, and yet those connections are out there to be made. They are. I mean, uh, I think we have become very good at just complaining about things, and I think if you go on social media, that's kind of what we do, and we like to post things about how nobody really understands us and how, you know, the direction of our church is not going the right way. But if you just look with uh, somewhat of other eyes, there are a lot of people doing a lot of good things. Mm -hmm. And uh, from where, where I come from, where the private sector, when we did a lot of our work and when I was working in, in public relations, for instance, was you seek out the best of the best and you try to accomplish good things with them. So instead of sitting and, and complaining about things, let's let's um, uh, come together and uh, try to change things. Right. I think a lot of good things can happen in, in those meetings and synergies. I think perhaps a lot of that stems from uh, maybe the the universality of social media. We, th we like to think that our voices can uh, accomplish something merely by the complaint, that maybe if we complain, something will change. Uh, and yet we, we're, when we try to do these things, we do it in, in this vacuum of social media, which just really sucks up all of the, the noise. And that's all there is. It's just noise uh, as opposed to saying, OK, where's my sphere of influence? What where can I actually do something that will uh, make a positive change and then moving in that direction? Yeah, there's a time and a place for a complaint, most certainly. But we also are called. 
uh, not just to recognize where others are falling short, as you talked about people complaining about the direction of the church, but realizing that we have a universal call to holiness within ourselves that we have to be going out and being, in some sense, uh, a, a rudder for our circle of influence. If the direction is going wrong, well, I need to make a change in my life and let that uh, influence others and, and so forth and so on until the whole direction is pointed towards holiness, right? If we focus on our own holiness and, and not on the, the people down the street who aren't doing it right, all of a sudden um, we're going to make an impact because pursuing holiness makes an impact. That's right. And I think it stems from gratitude, truly. When you wake up and, and you know Christ, you, if, if you're a cradle Catholic, perhaps you don't know what a beautiful gift your parents gave you. But when you're a convert coming from uh, the chaos of the sexual revolution, there's not a day that, that I don't wake up feeling so happy to be a Christian, to know Christ. Uh, it doesn't make necessarily the struggles and the suffering easier, but you know that you're called to, to transform it. But from that joy of knowing that you have been given the truth and how beautiful that truth is, it's hard not to go out and to spread those news, spread that good news. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about living an individual life that's ordered towards holiness. For you and for me both, natural family planning was a big part of our conversion. Uh, and uh, I think about all those those statistics that are out there that that we uh, maybe despair over a little bit. You know, ninety eight percent of Catholics use contraception and all that kind of thing. And the uh, I, I, one of the things that's been really important to us in our uh, pursuing natural family planning is to always, if we say a statistic, to know where it came from, right? And so we have that ninety eight percent of Catholics. Well, the if you were to read the question that was answered in that survey, uh, I would fall under that 98% because it says, have you at any time in your life used contraception? And of course, there was a time that we did, and now we most certainly don't. And yet that number, we would still be included in the 98%. And so the, the numbers that are out there of are, are not nearly as depressing as people think they are or as they are communicated to us. There are people who are... Uh, practicing NFP or, or choosing to be very generous with their family size or whatever the case is, who are pursuing holiness. And we're not alone in that as we attempt to do that ourselves. Yes, I and, and I think that's why, you know, I, I really encourage people to watch this movie because they will hopefully be, if they're just 10% as excited about what they see, as I was when, when I saw and met this story, I think there will be a good experience because natural family planning uh, is such a tremendous gift, but g people in general don't know about it. They don't, they perhaps have heard about the rhythm method, the calendar method, right? That's, that's what they think is natural family planning. And obviously that can't work. And, you know, they heard Planned Parenthood say this and that about natural methods, but when they actually learn about the history and uh, the people behind it, mm -hmm. and if they watch the trailer for the movie, they will see that there were a very small uh, group of people that were exploring the, the, the hormones uh, right. that regulate the, the female reproductive system in the 40s and 50s. And some of those people, they ran in one direction and they created 
um, the pill, which has caused so much trouble for us, but some of them actually changed teams and started developing natural family planning and scientifically verified it. Mm -hmm. And I think we've seen an NFP revolution in many other parts of the world. For instance, what many people don't know is you know, Mother Teresa picked this up and, and taught it um, in India. Mm -hmm. um, so it's been scientifically verified and it's been spread in many parts of the, the world but not yet, I would say, in, in the U.S. So when people learn about that story, and of course that's that's part of this movie, I think they will be kind of blown away, yeah. I would say, because I was. You know, we one of the things we've given talks to, to numerous, um, to doctors and to, to uh, residency programs and the like, and in medical school, they're given uh, an efficacy rate for natural methods, but it's just one rate, and they lump all the methods in together and average it out, which, of course, that would be like saying, well, between uh, between aspirin and Advil and uh, acetaminophen and uh, whatever other kinds of uh, NSAIDs there are, they have an average success rate of, you know, this number. So it's not really indicative of what's truly going on in the science. And, you know, you, you and I know, but maybe other people don't, that the, the father of the, the MRI was one of the people who was involved in those early days in the research of natural family planning, that you had a, a neurologist and, a, and a, a, a biologist, an endocrinologist, a pediatrician, and all these different people coming together uh, in those early studies and those early uh, formulation of the method that, it, you know, it's not just sitting here kind of scratching our head and saying, well, maybe maybe we could do this and that would work. There's There was the, the scientific method applied to the problem and brought about uh, through through studies, through good methodology, uh, some solid science that's there. It's funny you mentioned the father of MRI um, that was involved in, in, in this process. His name is Eric Odeblad. And we actually, I found out through this process, he is from Sweden. Mm -hmm. And we grew up about 50 miles from each other. Of course, he's 95 now. <laughs> but it's, you know, a small world. And... Uh, in this movie, we include his story. We we include footage from these scientists, never seen, never before seen, that we found in the in the archives down in Australia, where where most of it was developed. Mm -hmm. And it's it's fascinating, like you're saying. I think people will be blown away by how rigorous they were in pursuing the truth and validating the science, so that families could use this not only to abstain or postpone pregnancy, but also be helped to conceive, which was uh, really the major reason why they, they developed the natural family planning in the first place. The movie is Sexual Revolution, 50 Years Since Humana Vitae. You can find it over at sexualrevolutionmovie.com. Click the Inquire button and find out about bringing a screening to your area. It tells the story of Ricard and his wife and their journey to understand the fullness of the church's teaching on human sexuality and includes the foremost thinkers, theologians, and speakers on the topic. It's a great tool to help answer some of those deep questions, whether it's your own questions or someone in your circle of influence. Go take a look at it again over at sexualrevolutionmovie.com. Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. And there's much more to come right after this. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam, and today we have been talking about the 50th anniversary of Humana Vitae, which comes up on July 25th. It's just around the corner. We've been talking with Ricard Newman about a a new documentary that he and his wife and several others have put together. Of course, anytime we talk about Humana Vitae or the the things that are surrounding it, I encourage you that uh, if this is not a conversation you want your kids to hear yet, go ahead and shuffle them out of the room before we get too far into that discussion. Now, if you uh, if you missed any part of the episode, you want to go back and listen to it, or you want to share it with your friends on social media, have no fear, because all of our episodes are archived over at OutsideTheWalls.com. As soon as the show finishes airing here on the radio, you'll be able to go over to OutsideTheWalls.com, and it'll be right there up at the top for ease of locating it and sharing it with whomever you want to. Uh, as well, there's more to the interview, more uh, of the conversation with Ricard that we didn't get onto air. And that's available to all of those who support the show through Patreon. So while you're there at OutsideTheWalls.com, listening to all your favorite episodes over and over again, uh, right at at the top of the page, you can click the link that says Support the Show Patreon, and it'll take you over to a separate page. And for as little as $5 a month, you get access to all of the extra content that we produce each and every week. Uh, for your enjoyment and edification. For as little as $5 a month, you get access to the extra segments. For a little bit more, there are other, uh, other rewards, other thank yous that you can take a look at and see if that's something that interests you. Now, let's go ahead and get into our readings from Scripture and from church history. And you might think, how are you going to complement a talk about the sexual revolution, about uh, natural family planning? Surely, Surely you're not going to be able to just pull from this week's reading. You're going to have to go cherry pick something. Oh, no, you would think so. But no, the way that it works out today, uh, we're going to take our reading from yesterday out of uh, the daily missile readings. And then we have a a wonderful reading that uh, is from St. Anthony of Padua from his feast day on Wednesday uh, that I think will help us a little bit kind of unpack this topic. So let's go ahead and start with our reading from the gospel. This comes from Matthew 5. And Jesus said to his disciples, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, Everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than to have the whole body thrown into Gehenna. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than to have your whole body go into Gehenna. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a bill of divorce. But I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, unless the marriage is unlawful, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. That reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew. And this occurs in Matthew 5, right at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And he really goes on this kind of a destabilization tear where um, he's redefining for them what righteousness looks like. And he does this in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 as he talks about, you've heard it said that this is how you should behave, but I tell you that that doesn't even begin to approach 
what is expected of you, basically showing the insufficiency of the law, saying even if you were able to keep the letter of the law, the spirit of the law is hiding there behind it, and that is what pleases God. Not just, uh, oh, hey, don't go out and, and sleep around, but guard your thoughts and don't objectify the other person. Just saying at the very, at the very core of this, holiness is harder than you think. But then he goes and destabilizes on the other direction, because right after the Sermon on the Mount, he goes down and he begins to heal people that the the society would say they are this way because they have sinned, therefore they're unclean. So he heals the leper, and then he heals the centurion's servant, and then he goes and he has dinner with Matthew, the tax collector, and he's setting everything on its head and saying, what your society has taught you is okay is not the way it should be. And society has given us a a certain expectation of what sexuality looks like in our culture. And that's not the way it should be. And yet Jesus did his destabilization in both directions. Uh, In the first place, he said, what you think is holiness is not enough. And he upped the game. But then he also destabilized in the other direction by reaching out to people who the religious people of his day would have nothing to do with. And so we have to be in the middle as well. We have to realize that God has a great desire for our holiness and has a very specific way that we can go about that's been revealed to us that we can walk in holiness, but also not getting too proud of ourselves for recognizing social ills because we see after the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus makes great effort to go and reach the person that that would be labeled unclean by the law, right? First, he says the law is too easy. It, the, the letter of the law is not enough. But then he says, despite the law, I want to, to bring restoration to the person who's been condemned. And we have to find both this universal call to holiness and to touch the passion with which Christ wants to reach out to the world around us. And that brings us to our reading from, uh, from the breviary. This comes from Wednesday from the Feast of St. Anthony of Padua, and it's from a sermon by St. Anthony of Padua. And he says, The man who is filled with the Holy Spirit speaks in different languages. These different languages are different ways of witnessing to Christ, such as humility, poverty, patience, and obedience. We speak in those languages when we reveal in ourselves these virtues to others. Actions speak louder than words. Let your words teach and your actions speak. We are full of words but empty of actions and therefore are cursed by the Lord, since he himself cursed the fig tree when he found no fruit but only leaves. Gregory says, A law is laid upon the teachers to practice what he preaches. It is useless for a man to flaunt his knowledge of the law if he undermines its teaching by his actions. But the apostles spoke as the Spirit gave them the gift of speech. Happy the man whose words issue from the Holy Spirit and not from himself. For some men speak as their own character dictates, but steal the words of others and present them as their own and claim the credit for them. The Lord refers to such men and others like them in Jeremiah. So then, I have a quarrel with the prophets that steal my words from each other. I have a quarrel with the prophets, says the Lord, 
who have only to move their tongues to utter oracles. I have a quarrel with the prophets who make prophecies out of lying dreams, who recount them and lead my people astray with their lies and their pretensions. I certainly never sent them or commissioned them, and they serve no good purpose for this people, says the Lord. We should speak then as the Holy Spirit gives us the gift of speech, our humble and sincere request to the Spirit for ourselves should be that we may bring the day of Pentecost to fulfillment, insofar as he infuses us with his grace by using our bodily senses in a perfect manner and by keeping the commandments. Likewise, we shall request that we may be filled with a keen sense of sorrow and with fiery tongues for confessing the faith, so that our deserved reward may be to stand in the blazing splendor of the saints and to look upon the triune God. That reading comes from a homily, a sermon by St. Anthony of Padua. And how true and important it is for us as we recognize the truth, as we recognize what the church hands down specifically in this area of human sexuality, an area that is so touchy in today's world, how important it is for us not to just speak, but to speak what the Holy Spirit gives to us, speaking with humility and not with pride for how well we've done it, right? We're not patting ourselves on the back and looking at those other people like the, uh, like the prayer that Jesus gives the parable of the two men in the temple praying and says, uh, the, the Pharisee says, oh, I thank God that I'm not like that, that uh, tax collector over there and here's all the good things that I do. Instead, the, the tax collector just lowered his eyes, not even daring to look up to heaven and said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said, only one of these men went away justified, the one who in humility recognized his own shortcomings and called out to Christ for mercy. And so, yes, there is a time for proclaiming and for uh, even pointing out things that are sin for the sake of our society. But we must do it at the unction of the Holy Spirit with his with his compassion, right? We, we speak these things because of the great yes that we talked about with Ricard earlier, that we want society to see the beauty of holiness and not just to cease from doing wrong things, right? It's not enough, Jesus says, just to not do the wrong things, but we have to do in our hearts to orient our hearts towards Christ in order to really, truly do the right things that please God. So this week... Let that be our prayer. Not merely that we would do the right things, but that we would have a heart of humility that's sensitive to the Holy Spirit, that can hear where the Holy Spirit is calling us to grow in holiness and to walk in holiness in new ways that surpass just keeping the rules for the sake of keeping the rules, but that thing that draws us into deep relationship with Jesus Christ. Today's show is brought to you by Carl and Kristen Friend and all those who support the show through Patreon. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click the Patreon link, and join their numbers. Get all the extra content while you're there. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace.